everybody. Welcome to When Doves Podcast. I'm your host, Jared. And I'm Ed. You know what I was just thinking, Jared? Tell me what you're thinking. You know when Doves Podcast? When do they podcast? Right now. We're doing it right now. We're doing it right now. We're doing it right now. That's a question we've been asking. When do they podcast? Now. It's now. It's now. But please, folks, I hope you weren't listening just to find the answer for that at some point. I hope there's... there's, Yeah, stay with us. Stay with us. Stay with us. There's more than we have to say about beyond that. Beyond that. Uh, Welcome back. We're we're coming at you live from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Hey, Philly. We love Philly. We love Philly. We're Philly people. Um, And uh, Prince has a good relationship with Philly. Mm. I'm not sure if that's true. We'll yeah, talk about we'll that talk some about point. That I don't think you really yeah, like Philly. Maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, but anyway, we're so glad you're here uh, coming back and joining us. It is springtime. It's April. Yep. Um, we're almost at the fifth anniversary of Prince's passing. Yeah. Pa- passing. 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 Yeah. Passing. Uh, that's almost upon us. Um, yeah. But we're here to celebrate um, his fifth album, um, one of the seminal albums of his career. Yeah, for One sure. of the really big ones. And that album is titled... 1999. 1999. Edward, uh, what are your... G- give us initial thoughts, thoughts on initial that? Initial thoughts on 1999. What does it mean to you? What did it do for you? Oh, wow. So many things. What is it doing for you right now? Personally, yes. right? So I... This is... I know when we first started the podcast, I mentioned that, you know, Purple Rain, like for many people, was really my big... Sure. This is when I really became the, a the huge gateway, Prince fan. The gateway drug. <laughs> the gateway Yeah. But I have to say, this is the first album of Prince's I really listened to. Yeah. Right, my sister had the cassette. Sure, I probably wasn't allowed to get this cassette, but my sister was it a single cassette? It was a single cassette. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. It was so, um, and I remember listening to it and really loving it at the time. Um, but you know, it's but more back to the Prince side of things. Like this album to me, we, we've been talking about when does Prince become Prince? Well, he yeah. becomes Prince here. I agree. Um, yeah, you know, agree. purple gets mentioned here. Right. His lyrics get, um, there's some of his kind of purple lyrics and interesting kind of, what is he even talking about? We're not sure, yeah. but it's just interesting lyrics. A little bit of a continuation from what we talked about in controversy. Um, but it's the sound here. Like yeah. he really, he, he, what's interesting, interesting to me is thinking back on the previous albums. He kind of maintains a, some of the, that feel and energy around the punk aspects mm-hmm. of Dirty Mind in this yeah, album. Yeah, yeah. And some of the way he layers the vocals, he's using his mid-range, he's using the stacking of the vocals and kind of doing that kind of thing. That remains here. Some of the attitude of that punk is still there. Yeah. But sonically, it changes so much, right? He's really... This is why, to me, is this is like this. This is like a time machine to me to take me back to 1982 or early 80s. He leans into drum machine use synthesizer yes use. and he finds that technology and he uses it in such a creative way that honestly not only did he create the 80s sound but he, i mean he creates kind of a blueprint for electronic music for decades afterwards yeah with this album so to me this is a huge album and probably most important with this album he goes from he could have been hey i'm gonna be a i'm gonna be a, a critic critical darling and kind of have a cult following that's right. it prince's ambitions obviously were way above that and here he says i gotta create a big hit off right. this album. Right. And of course, and he does. He does. He does. So like, this is him again, like almost like he conceived a plan yep. and mar- marching forward. And this was the next, uh, next higher level he needed to get to. And of course this sets the groundwork for him to just completely explode on his next album. But this to me is really truly his eighties album to me, to, to me personally. Yeah. I agree with that assessment. I, as you rightly said, I believe that this album Maybe more so than any other single artist's album, even more so than any of his subsequent records, is the architect of the sound of the 80s. Yeah. Of of the the synth-heavy drum machine sound that people emulated from him, 
no one ever did it as well as him. Yeah. Um, but I, I do believe that's true. And the other uh, thing, let us not underestimate this, that makes this record particularly important. This is Prince's first official record, although it doesn't say it, with the revolution. It does, but it doesn't. It does, but it doesn't. A little, We're going to talk slick, about that. A little tricky. A little slick. We're going to talk about that. But this is the album where the revolution is is here uh, with him, backing him up. He's not playing every instrument himself. You know, we got Wendy, we got Lisa, we got Bobby Z. We Wendy's got... not here yet. Oh, no. Wendy's not here not yet. Not here yet. Oh, right. My apologies. Wendy's yeah. not here yet. Um, Dr. Fink is here. Yeah. Right? But to your point, and I agree with this, and this is kind of where I think about, if you think about a progression of Prince, right? Yeah. He comes out Dirty Mind, does the manifesto, creates his world, his his idea of where he wants to go thematically with his music, all that stuff. The thing that's stunning here to me is like now he's saying, not only do I know where I'm going to go, I got a motherfucking army behind yeah, me. Yeah, that's right. That's going to help me get there. Right. And to me, that's what becomes so powerful with this next, this album. Because Agreed. he really, and you and I have talked about this before, I think he is really leaning into his Sly and the Family Stone side. Right. right. Um, and he's really bringing out and he's finding ways to really use, and he goes, and if you ever read interviews of people who've worked with him, he finds you as a color on a pa- that the palette that he he knows exactly where you fit in his world. Correct. He knew right. what role you needed to play. So he has people like Lisa and Gail Chapman and right. Dez yeah. and Brown Mark and Bobby Z. And he just knows he assembles this this thing that he, it's painting a full picture for him of how he wants his world to be projected out into the bigger world. Right. And he and he does this to to great effect here with nineteen. To great effect. And it, and also uh, it's not a mistake. That they're called the Revolution. Yeah, no, right? I'm with it's, you there. It's not just like, hey, this is a cool band name. Yeah. It's it, there's intent behind yeah. that name. It's very clear. Yeah, you know, there's a lot. They're not of- called the Small Skirmish. <laughs> <laughs> what a terrible band name Prince that would be. And Prince the and the Small, small Skirmish. <laughs> wow, not great. It'd be awesome if he walked in and that's like, hey, everybody, what do you think about this? That's a scene for us, right? Prince just kind of brainstorming. Names what, what should we band. call the band? What should we call the band? The Small Skirmish? Small Skirmish? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Folks, this is where you come in, listeners. So please, if give you us have, your ideas. If you have other, of other ide- names for the revolution. What were some of the near, the near, the, the near, near misses, misses, the near for, misses. The, for the revolution? You know, there, and there's a, there's a lot of talk about, you know, uh, in, again, in like certain circles, rock critic circles and what have you, like, who's the best band in the world? How long were they the best band in the world? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of those sort of discussions and people like to debate that. I do believe that from, let's say 1982 to 1986-ish, the best band in the world was the Revolution. I think Prince of the Revolution was the best You're band. You're pretty good, in the yeah. World. No pretty kidding, good. yeah. Um, I also want to say this: um, with this album, there's a, you also hear in those sort of circles the discussion of like the four album run. Mm. Who had the who had the strongest four album run? You know, yeah. and a, a great example that people throw to are the Stones, the Rolling Stones, with Beggar's Banquet, followed by Let It Bleed, followed by Sticky Fingers, followed by Exile on Main Street. Mm. A lot of people say that's the best. Four album run in history. Some people talk about five album runs. You know, um, I believe, and I this is a little controversial because the you know we're going to get there. But some of these later records, people don't feel as fondly about them mm-hmm. as I do. But yeah. I think this is the start of a outstanding mm-hmm. five album run, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and I'm really glad to sort of be kicking off this journey. So. We're we're gonna dive into the record, Ed. What is the Prince paraphernalia you're wearing today? Oh yeah, so I do. Uh, I feel bad because I do have a 1999 shirt. Just couldn't find it. it. I couldn't find, couldn't it. find it. Couldn't find it. Couldn't find it. 
purple. It just has the, the, the album cover essentially yeah. on the front, the album art. Uh, but I am wearing a uh, around the world in the day type era uh, album art picture of the older woman crying, if you remember that. Um, yeah, so it's a very spring-like, I just thought, because we're here in April, a nice spring uh, shirt. How about yours? It's good. So I'm wearing the uh, I'm wearing the logo for Twin Tone Records, mm. um, and for those who don't know, Twin Tone was an, is an independent record label out of Minneapolis. Gotcha. They, they didn't work with Prince, but they did work with a lot of sort of independent, hardcore... Husker Du? Husker Du was not on Twin Tone. Husker Du, sorry, I said that wrong. Uh, no, but the replacements were. Ah, the replacements. replacements were on yes, Twin heard Tone. heard of those folks. Yeah, Twin Tone was the home of, of the replacements. And I'm also wearing my awesome, I love these so much, my First Avenue style oh, vans. Please explain those to the listeners. I will. Pretty, so pretty awesome. you've heard us talk about First Avenue before. You're going to hear us talk about it again. First Avenue was the legendary mm-hmm. music venue in uh, Minneapolis where not just Prince, but a lot of people played there. And during the pandemic, um, because so many independent um, venues have been really struggling with with finances, Vans partnered up. I don't mean to be plugging Vans, but I guess I am. They partnered up with uh, a bunch of independent retailers, not just venues, but other places as well. There was a there was one in Philly um, that was like a skate shop or something. Oh yeah, okay. Um, where yeah. they were offering sort of these limited edition shoes that are in the style of whatever that place is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. They did that for First Avenue. And so uh, for the folks who don't know, one of the reasons that First Avenue is so iconic is they have a, an exterior wall that is painted. Uh, it's black with silver stars. Yep. The silver stars all have the names of various mus- musical acts that have performed at First Avenue. You don't just get a star for playing there. There's a board that decides they vote on who gets a star yep. or not. So there's all kinds of, you know, all the Minneapolis acts are there and, you know, various different people. Um, but the only gold star, there's only one gold star, and it's for Prince. So my shoes, these bands I'm wearing, wear like, you know, the traditional sort of black and white checkerboard from like Fast Times at Ridgemont High, you're thinking about. Instead of the checkerboard, they have the silver stars. Mm. And they have one gold star. That's awesome. it. And it says First Avenue embroidered on the on the heels. That's so, so cool. They're pretty cool. I was really glad to get them. I don't know if they're still making them, but if you if they are and you find them, the proceeds go to First Avenue. Yeah, that's why I bought them because it helps keep. Use them. the code Windows Podcast. <laughs> First <laughs> Avenue in Vans. If you want us, to, if you want to sponsor us, we'd be happy to promote both of you. You know yeah. where we are. You know where we are. Let us know. Uh, so now those the, are those are really cool, and we'll have to we'll talk a lot more about First Avenue next time because that certainly, of course, is so uh, uh, so featured so much in the uh, film Purple Rain. Correct. Um, and uh, so we'll talk about maybe that a little bit more. We'll talk uh, about time. that more, and we have our Prince devotional candle burning. Yes, we're ready to go. So without further ado, Jared, are you going to bring the facts and uh, critic, critical reviews stuff? That's what I'm going to do. Facts and critical reviews. Let's talk it through. Let's talk it through. So. 1999 was released on an auspicious date. What's, what's this? October 27th, 1982. Hmm. From Warner Brothers Records. Now, Ed, do you know what's special about October 27th? It's uh, a few days before Halloween. Well, that's true. That's You're not wrong. It's also my birthday. Oh, listen. that's I wasn't born in 1982, but 1027 is my birthday. And I can't help but feeling like... Prince was giving this. This as a should gift be to your me. album. Yeah, it should be my album. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's the year it came out. Happy birthday! Thank in you. Advance, for, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for, for all the years I missed. All, yeah, that's right. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so the record is seventy minutes and thirty three seconds in length. As we said, it's a double album. 
Um, not because of a preponderance of tracks, but because the tracks themselves, there's only 11. Can, are, I, can I ask you a long. question? Yeah. What, how to spell preponderance? <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry, that's a different podcast. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm curious about this, because I, I think about some of the Prince albums. Of course, we talked about Dirty Mind being so short. Yeah, it's really tight. Only and I think minutes. about some of his other acts, like The Time, and those were like six song yeah, albums. And really stuff. tight. Was it pretty common, because that's what I love about you, you're such a just general big music fan. In the early 80s, yeah. was, it pretty, was an album typically... An eight song album, like was that a typical? And usually, song tracks were like three to four minutes long. Was yeah, that a general idea. That was a general it? idea. Yeah, it was it, having a double album. Of course, even was really rare. It was also really rare for a double album not to be a live record, right? Because mm. most live records, Frampton. Were, like Frampton, they're all double albums. Uh, most running times were uh, in the neighborhood of thirty minutes, thirty five minutes, because it was to accommodate how much sound. A vinyl record could contain, mm, mm-hmm. right? They were limited by how right. much how much physical sound they could put on gotcha. a record. So that's why it's a double album, uh, for one thing, to accommodate all the sound. But it was very rare for for pop music to have something like this. Um, and again, like, and we're going to talk about this. The ambition here, is oh yeah, huge, it is right. It the is. ambition here is huge. So yeah. it was it was a rare bird. I mean, yeah. Thriller doesn't have that many tracks, you know, yeah. but it's also a hell of a lot shorter. Came out in the same year. So. And I feel bad. I, before you get into this, I just want to say one yeah. thing, too. And I, again, a state, if you're listening, too, about sponsorship, you know, we're here. Um, <laughs> for folks who are really intrigued about this time period for Prince, I, I can't recommend enough the estate which released the deluxe version of this album just a couple months ago. Now, we're not going to review the deluxe edition because that includes a lot of unreleased tracks, which we're not going to get into. We want to talk about what was released at the time it was right. released. Right, we're going to do them as they were yeah. when they were released. So we'll get into deluxe stuff later yeah, We'll on. talk about other things like that later on. Um, how um, there, there's a, there's, They have this great podcast about the making of 1999, and one of the stories they include, and it's one, if you're a Prince fan, you're probably aware of already, I certainly was, um, is during the Controversy Tour, the Controversy Tour, Prince was invited by Mick Jagger, who famously folded his penis for Prince to... <laughs> <laughs> to, get, to make way for Prince, right? right? Recall. That's to a make way. Right. That's a reference to an old podcast we did. Um, was invited to come and play and open for the Stones out at, was it LA4? I think or so. Or Coliseum, Coliseum, probably. Coliseum, Coliseum. Coliseum. So you probably know the story, so I won't go into the details, but Prince comes out and basically gets literally booed and thrown, like shit gets thrown at him. And they, yeah, they boom off the stage. And, and he's so humiliated and so kind of freaked out by it, he literally flies back to Minneapolis and is like, I'm not performing again and literally i believe mick gets on the phone with him yeah as the story goes to convince him to come back and play a second night which still doesn't go particularly well um but, but he did it but he did it and it the, the the story goes in the podcast i mean and again it's so worth the listen is that that hardened prince so much that experience that he felt he wanted to win that audience over yes and you can imagine that audience you're talking rock and rockers we're talking rock and white fans, white right. folks there to see the Stones typically want to rock. He wanted to cross over to those people. Yeah. And it just became such a motivating factor for him. And this is what, as the podcast suggests, is when Prince came back to Minneapolis and said, I'm just going to freaking, I'm going to work so hard. I'm going to write songs every day and I'm just going to make it happen. So yeah. that was the motivating factor behind this idea and this kind of creative burst yeah. that occurred for Prince at this time. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And I'll, I'll just a really quick sidebar, a shout out to Mick Jagger. Uh, Mick Jagger very famously personally chooses the opening acts for the stones hmm. whereas for a lot of other people the record label chooses it right the record label says hey this is a band label right. mate will you throw them on get them right. some attention that's never been the case with mick who's jagger who's the stones album who 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 
released their albums. Was uh, it their own? Well, they, it wasn't Warner Brothers, was it? No, no, they were on what was called Abco at the time, and and oh. and I they're not, they weren't on Warner Brothers, but um, right. And so yeah, to your point, to your point, to my point. But yeah. the yeah, so uh, Decca Records they were on for a while. But anyway, Mick Mick always did that, and I always gave him credit, and and um, I always thought that was a cool thing. Like yeah. it was about who he liked. Yeah, and you know Keith. Didn't care. It was like whatever Mick said. Keith couldn't be bothered. But anyway, that we don't want. This is not a Stones podcast. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, where were we? So uh, just talk about your release date. Uh, release date. We talked about the release date for my birthday. The length of the album. Um, and now we're going to talk about the singles. There were five singles Woo! released from 1999. Ed has has been our custom. Do you want to guess? No, no, do you no, no, know no, what no, the no, singles no, no, no. were? I think I do. I think I do. Uh, I believe 1999 was the first. Correct. That was the first that came out. It was released on September 24th. So I had this in my head that it got re-released, and I don't know if that's true or not. We'll have to, we'll have to double I'll check that. I, I'll say this. In my research, because I'm the only one who does the research. Oh, boy. Um, I don't. I mean, folks, I don't want to make this a whole thing touchy. here. But anyway, I, did, I didn't say anything about it being re-released. That doesn't mean it wasn't. But on the stats I saw, it wasn't. I didn't see that. But gotcha. it was released on September 24th, 1982. Gotcha. Uh, and then followed by... Little Red Corvette. Correct. February 9th, 1983. Hmm. And then uh, Delirious, I believe, was the third. Delirious was the third. August 17th, 1983. Hmm. And then, uh, I, I know this just because I know the videos exist, so I'm assuming these are the two the two other singles. One is um, Automatic. Automatic, yes, was a single. It was, it was released sometime in August 83. I couldn't find the exact date, and it was a non-U.S. single. It was released, do you know where? Italy. The land, <laughs> Italy. I'm not even sure why I think that's funny, but somehow that's driving me yeah, funny. Why not? Uh, the da- the land down under. Oh, okay, Mexico, where, where the toilets. <laughs> wow, uh, where the toilets go the wrong way when you flush them. Oh, you're like you're like you know you know yeah Australia yeah Australia yeah yeah let let that yeah, 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 yeah. yeah a flushing yeah, yeah, yeah. joke. Um, so that was the that was the fourth single. There's one more single to go. Uh, I know this only again because of the video, which and this this blows my mind that this was a single. Uh, Let's pretend we're married. Let's pretend we're married was released on November twenty third, nineteen eighty three. Uh, that single reached fifty two on the charts. I'm frankly shocked it even got that high. Um, Delirious got up to eight, cracked the top ten. Mm-hmm. Little Red Corvette also cracked the top ten, got to six. Nineteen ninety nine, twelve. Did mm. not break into the top ten. Mm-hmm. That's a shocker to me. Yeah. That's a weird thing. Yeah. Um, anyway, the album itself peaked at number nine on the top 200. It was... Prince's- can, I give, can I give you a theory on that? Sure. I really think if if Warners would have released Little Red first... Yeah. Because that was such a crossover hit. Yeah, it was huge. Uh, and then released 1999, I think it would have it would have charted higher. Because, I mean, you think about it, Prince was trying to shake his... Potential, we had a concern that he was going to be considered an R&B artist. Right. Now, 1999 is a jam. It's it's a funky dance jam. Right. So um, it's not until we get Little Red Corvette where there's that sort of that real impact and crossover. And I think you're probably seeing Delirious benefiting, plus the length of time. I'm thinking that was on the charts probably for quite some time. I, I agree. I think it must have been charting forever. Yeah. It just was up there for a long, long yeah. time. Yeah. So they, it, so I think Delirious definitely benefited from that little, having Little Red Corvette be released just before it, or right I, before it. Yeah. yeah, I think that you're right about that. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, so the album yeah. itself did reach number nine. It was Prince's first top ten album, so that was significant for him for sure. Yeah. Um, and then after he died, uh, it did re-enter the chart at seven. Sort of wow. besting its original placement. So there's that's interesting. 
Um, it uh, was certified platinum four times, so Woo. four million copies at the minimum it has sold. And a double... Wait, wait, is that... How do they count that? Is it two million and it's double, it's four, or is it four million straight out? No, it's four million straight out. So okay. it's four million copies of a double album. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Um, as often, I try to see if there's any uh, interesting discogs, you know, the value of the of the vinyl. The, the values were all over the place. Nothing particularly expensive. I, I found a couple that were like 150 bucks, somewhere mm-hmm. around there. Most of them were in the thirty-five to forty-five range, yep. um, and and there were a bunch, you know, depending on the quality that you get for like three bucks or something like that. Yeah. Um, in the uh, in the annual Paz and Jop poll, which was released by the Village Voice for a long, long time. Um, shout out to the Village Voice. Hey, no Village Voice. With us. No longer with us. It was sixth on best albums of the year. Mm, okay. um, just by way of context, I think this is interesting. Number twelve, Thriller. And Thriller didn't make the top there, ten there in that go. snobby little poll. Well, there you go. Um, number one, Imperial Bedrooms by Elvis Costello. Oh, hmm. also an interesting choice, which I don't even think is one of his best records, but whatever. Yeah. Um, this album also elicited Prince his very first Grammy nomination. It was for Best Male R and B Vocal for International Lover, which is the last track in the album, and we're going to get to that. Um, yeah. Grammy categories. I feel like they don't make any it's sense. It's so weird. It's such a weird thing. It wasn't thing. even a single, but okay. No. And let me say this, too, just by way of other sort of information. 1999 was not nominated for Album of the Year. The nominees that year were An Innocent Man by Billy Joel. Yeah, good. That's a good choice. <laughs> yeah, sure. The Flashdance soundtrack. Lots of singles. Lots Thriller, of, of course, I'm which kind of won, it. obviously. Because yeah. that was the year he won, like... Forever and everything. He won, like, eight Grammys yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, Synchronicity by The Prince. By, by The Prince. <laughs> Wow, what's the matter with the, the police? police. The yeah. police. The police. The police and Let's Dance by Bowie. Those are the nominees for um Well, you know. Well, you know, it's like yeah, I don't know. I just I would have bumped out the Flashdance soundtrack at least for right. the Right. Well, I mean, this again, yeah, I think this album was so I can only imagine cuz I think we'll talk about this when we go through the song by song review. Some of these songs still sound forward-thinking songs. 100%. So I could imagine your typical listener might listen to this and be like, at that time, yeah. we're talking 30-some years ago, right. almost 40 years ago, oh my God, uh, next year. So, um, and being like, what the hell is this song? Like, I, I, like, whereas, you know, you could get your head, total head and arms around Thriller. Sure. Or even like a sure. Flashdance soundtrack, because there's so many singles that were right. This songs. is a much stranger yeah. album. It's a much more challenging album than right. I think people understood. That was right. the thing that struck me coming back to it, is that it is... It's like saying, why, why wasn't Eraserhead up for, for best movie? Yeah, totally. Right. right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> why wasn't Eraserhead up? That's something. so strange to me. Yeah. It, it, yeah. 1999, for the massive pop hits that it had, yeah. is a deeply weird record. Yeah. And it's more experimental. Yeah. I think it's incredibly interesting and yeah. really re-listenable. And there's lots to discover in it as you as you go on. So um, yeah. anyway, yeah, a couple of quick critical things. Uh, the Rolling Stone album guide gives it four and a half stars, okay. saying it was, excuse me, that it might be his most influential album. Mm-hmm. That its synth and drum machine heavy arrangements codified the Minneapolis sound that loomed over mid '80s R&B and pop. Not to mention the next two decades worth of electro house and techno. Ding, Echoing ding, your ding. point right ding, there. Ding, ding. Um, uh, Robert Christgau, our good friend, our good friend Robert, he had this to say: "Like every black pop auteur, Prince commands his own personal groove, and by stretching his flat funk force beat onto two discs worth of deeply useful dance tracks." That's an odd phrasing, deeply right? Deeply useful Deep, dance tracks. I guess does that mean they're really danceable? Is that what yeah. that means? I don't know. Versus deeply useless. 
I suppose. Dance tracks. Uh, he makes his most convincing political statement to date about race, the one subject where his instincts always serve him reliably. I mean, you don't want to hang on his every word regarding sex or end of the world now, do you? A minus he gave it. I wonder if Bobby is saying there um, <laughs> that it's actually some dance music that actually has some actual thought going into the lyric versus just good up and dance. Like there's... There's something underneath, lying underneath could be. the content. Yeah, could so be. So it's 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 a little bit of a thinker, not a heavy, heavy thinker. Yeah, you don't want to be so deep you can't swim in it, right? But that, like that but, could be that there's maybe, more there's more underlying. There's a little bit more to than just your hey, get up and dance type yeah, of track. That that very well could be. That's yeah. a that's a good thought. Yeah. Um, couple other things I'll throw at you here. Um, let's see. Uh, in 2003, VH1 placed 99 at number 48 in its 100 greatest albums of all time. Yep. The album was also in the list of Slant Magazine's 50 Essential Pop Albums, and that same magazine listed it as eight, the best albums of the 80s. Mm-hmm. In 2003, the album was ranked 163 on Rolling Stone's original list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. It was revised in 2012 and was ranked at 130. There was also a new uh, a new re-ranking of that list, but I couldn't find it. Okay. I, I'm sure I could look a little it's all, harder, it's all, it's all good. I'm sure it's still in the mix is what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah. Um, it was also included in the book, The 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. Mm-hmm. The album was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame in 2008. Um, Fantastic. And then finally, I want to add this. I, I mentioned this in the last pod. Um, there was a great issue of Rolling Stone that came out in 1989 where they ranked their 100 best albums of the 80s. I found this on eBay. I have a physical copy here with us. I'm looking at it. It's right true. Now. I can verify. You can verify that. Um, I have a lot of memories of this list, and I got to say, the list is pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of good stuff on here. When we often think of the '80s as being sort of a wasteland of music, and that wasn't really true. There's a lot of good stuff on here. Anyway, there's a long entry on this. It was ranked 16th um, in here, and I'll just say a couple of things in the in the um, in the listing. Um, Saying, recording a two-record set at a time when he had yet to become a major star was a risky thing for Prince to do, but the risk paid off. 1999... Can I stop you there? Because sometimes that's lost on me, actually. This guy has not had a really huge hit yet. No. Yet he said, he had the balls to say, I'm going to release a double album. Yeah. Even though, in terms of my my general output, no one's... I never. I have not slam dunked like a number one album. Yet. No, not at all. And you're right. And again, his ambition. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he he never lacked for ambition. No, he didn't. And it no. served him well. They also say here, 1999 gave Prince the room he needed to address some of his favorite topics: sex, romance, freedom, and even rock critics. The album was at once both Prince's most experimental and his most commercial. Um, and then, uh, Revolution band member Bobby Z, drummer, drummer Bobby Z, he says this. Bobby Z remembers the months Prince spent on 1999 as a period of intense creativity when Prince's credo was, quote, anything goes. Quote, a lot of experimental sound and backward stuff was tried, says the drummer. Quote, Lady Cab Driver, for example, was very innovative with the street sounds and almost a kind of rap. Something in the water was definitely using the Lynn drum machine to its fullest. Prince was experimenting to get something like the next album, Purple Rain. 1999 gave him the keys to a lot of doors. Absolutely. Absolutely. You go, Bobby Z. You go, Bobby Z. And so just for a little context here, um, this was 16. Peter Gabriel's So was 14. That's a great album. 15 was Let It Be by The Replacements, Twin Tone Records. Oh, there you go. 17 was Synchronicity by The Police. 18 was Dirty Mind, Dirty Mind by Prince. 
19 was Lou Reed's New York, oh, one of my favorite records of all yeah. time. And 20, because uh, <laughs> I'm turning the pages for a giant ad for cigarettes. 20 was The Pretenders' self-titled album. Pretenders. Okay, and Rain Dogs was in the top And 20. Rain Dogs was 21. Anyway. Uh, anyway, so uh, those, mean, those are some of our critical... Is that all the critical? I mean, that's all the critical stuff. Know. They don't know anything. They don't critics. know. What so, they know? What's important is what Jared and I now do. That's correct. Review these, that's correct. These tracks. That's right. And, and what, you, what you all, you listeners think, we of course want your thoughts in our comment sections all over the place. All over our social medias. Yeah, we, we definitely know. love the social interaction. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you what you like, what you don't like. and uh, Tell we'll, us what you don't think. Tell, tell us what you don't think. <laughs> if you can do that, we're into it. So, diving in here, we're going to start with track number one. Track number one, of course, is the title track, 1999. Oopsies. What do you think about 1999? Uh, I mean, what a great way to start the album, right? I mean, this is welcome to the party. This is this to me, and I think about this too. As much, I, and I, this is not my favorite album by Prince personally. Um, there's others out there. We'll talk about those soon enough. But I think I've always wanted Prince after this album to make the same type of album again because to me, this was like the straight up party album that Prince created. Like, and he's inviting us into this party. I think it's evidence. Here with the way he starts the song with that weird voice, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all at once cartoonish, outer spacey, scary, yet interesting and inviting. All at this and fun, like yeah. all at the same time. I agree. Um, so it's a, it's a great way to sort of introduce what you're being introduced to. <laughs> well said. See, it's not just me. It's not just me. That was so well put. You're very articulate. Oh, That's please. what I like about you. We'll, we'll make t-shirts with these quotes, guys, for you yeah. all to buy. Um, <laughs> a couple things here. You know, there's there's a story about Prince talking about the making of the song where he had this the concept, had it recorded, had him doing the lead vocal. Wasn't working. Yeah. And again, this kind of plays into what we said at the top of the of the podcast. He went back, started thinking about Sly and the Family Stone and was like, you know what? What if I split up the vocal? And I can't imagine the song with just him. with just his vocal. Yeah, it's so well done, and even the way he does it with with Gail uh, Gail Chapman and Lisa, and with Des, and then himself bringing it together, like, and then the harmonies through the chorus. Like, this is something you're going to hear evident in the song. We talked about like he's he's got his army now. He's got the revolution. Right. Um, he does such a great job knowing how to use their in- individual voices. Yeah. to create the soundscape, and he does, and it's so evident here on this song, right? Yeah, um, and. Yeah, I mean it's just it's just absolutely gorgeous. I love that li- that first verse of all the different um, different lyrics of I was dreaming when I wrote this. It just it just kind of brings this whole this it just brings a certain mood to the record and to the album in general. And of course, this the length of the song here we've talked about and we'll talk about some of the songs here. I don't like the length. I think it, they get a little too long. I can't imagine this song. I don't. I don't listen to the edit version of this song. Correct. The radio yeah. edit of this song to me sucks. Yeah. Because it, the way it builds to party. Yeah. And the way they chant party. Yeah. 
and that hand clapping comes in, it's yeah. a groove. Like I, I would never want that part to be edited out of my listening. It's not you're not getting the full experience. I agree. Lastly, I'm sorry, I know I took a long time here to talk about this, but I'll throw it to you. But interestingly, the end of that song, you so you have the beginning with this cartoon voice, deep, right. ominous, and then on the flip side, at the end of the song, you have this helium voice that's supposed to be maybe more childlike. Mommy, why does everybody have a bomb? Yeah. With a little bit of an explosion, maybe, sound at the end of it. Yeah. So, I mean, go ahead. What do you think? Let's, well, let's... I mean, yes. The first thing I wrote was all-time jam in all caps. It, it's, it's an, an all-time, all-time jam. jam. Um, this, is a, this is another song following, like, um, Uptown, uh, Party Up, yeah, party where up, I feel yeah. like the yeah. lyrical content sort of belays the celebratory nature of the music itself. Absolutely. Right yeah, now, of course, yeah, he's talking about let's have a party, let's do this, let's do that. Got it. But this is a, another song, and I'm sort of fascinated about this in Prince's catalog, where I believe he's actively thinking that the world is going to end. That that the, the, the presence, or the threat, rather, of nuclear war was yeah. so real yeah. in a way that we can't appreciate as much today that people really thought, well, this could happen, you know, one, one, one day, one of these nations is going to push the button and that's going to be it. Yeah. Um, so let us live today. Let us live in this moment. Let us, let us, you know, be bold and, and suck all the marrow out of life and all those dead poet society quotes and like, you know, right? <laughs> like all that yeah. stuff. Um, yeah. and so I think that, that makes it I, 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 genius in its way. I think it makes it incredibly iconic in its way. Yeah. Um, and the, as you said, the extended version, or rather the album version, let's say, rather than the single edit, um, is so much better. Um, it, 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 it's the song, like, you kind of don't want it to end. You yeah. just want it to keep jamming keep that with party it, right? going. Yeah. You want to keep that party going. Um, and that coda, as you mentioned, of Mommy, Why Does Everybody Have the Bomb? Um, it ends this song, and I think it's repeated twice yeah. before we come to the, does, the close yeah. of the song. It's repeated, yeah. it, and this is a word I'm going to use a lot as we talk about this record. It's a little ominous yeah. to me. It's a little, it's a little bit of, you know, something, something, there's a darkness here underneath the party that we're going we're gonna, to like live and sweat it out and ignore it, but it's there. And I find that really fascinating. You know, it's funny you said that. I love that you brought up the idea that it's repeated um, because it just a different thought popped in my mind about the idea of a child asking that question to a parent and the parent just doesn't have the answer. Doesn't have the answer. Doesn't know. So it has to repeat yeah. it again. Right. So it, it's A, there's no real good answer. Why? Right. That's the answer. And why the fuck aren't you doing something about it? Right. Why, right. Why so it's, it's actually has a lot more... It's not just some throwaway, weird, interesting thing at the end. It actually has some 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 weight to it. It does. Really cool. It does. And I feel like yeah. as an opening salvo for an album of this kind, and I know that this isn't in any way the conventional thinking about this record, but I think you can make an argument that 1999 is a concept record about a party when the world is ending. Yeah. I, I think you could make that argument. But anyway. And you could say, I think you could say, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm drawing too, too fine a line or, or too direct a line to him and Sly here. But I, yeah. I do think there's a lot of parallels with this particular album. This could be Prince's attempt at there's a riot going on. Totally. Right? So this yeah. is but where, you know, where Sly's saying peace, love, you know, all this stuff. Prince yeah. is saying, let's fuck our way through it. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that's that's the, the big difference between the two the two artists there in terms of their approach to it. I but, think that's right. But I think yeah. there, there's a lot of parallels there. I agree. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to the next track. It's a little track you may have heard before. It's called Little Red Corvette. Trojan 
like this one, right? I hate little... No. <laughs> Come on. Do you have a heartbeat? What are you talking about? <laughs> I adore Little Red Corvette. I love, love this song. Um, I, I, I know I'm not alone in it, but, but I love this song for so many reasons. Um, I, I, I will say I do think this song and the title track are primarily responsible for that 80s sound, the heavy synth, the drum machines, things like that. Um, but the thing about Little Red Corvette is that I find this song haunting. I think there's something haunting in it. Hmm. I know that on the surface, it, it's about a guy chasing a gal and mm-hmm. and and you know he he's not quite getting her and he's trying to get her and all that sort of stuff. I know that on the surface that's what it is. But I feel that there's something very melancholy in this song mm-hmm. where the protagonist is saying I know I'm not the first here. I'm worried I'm not going to be good enough and I know I'm not going to be the last. And I just hope that I can measure up in some way. And um the 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 music of the track um with that expansive synth that fog like synth that yeah, sort of yeah. billows out and yeah. contracts right and yeah. sort of fills the air of it yeah. um and of course we got ripping solos and we've got the groove in it and there's all these things but always for me underneath it there is something melancholy no i th- I, I, can, I can see that um yeah. allow me to tell a quick anecdote uh and one i know that you can share so the first time I saw Prince was on the 2004 Musicology Tour on the first of his three-night stand in Philly. Yeah, three nights, yeah. Um, and he played, it was a three-hour show, and in the middle of that set, he played an acoustic set. Yep. And uh, for folks who go see a lot of live music, I'm one of those people, Ed's one of those people, you know, sometimes you hear a song that you can't quite recognize and you don't know why until maybe the chorus kicks in. And it, then you realize, oh, I know what this is. Because the song is in a different arrangement or it's just being maybe different instrumentation and you don't quite recognize it at first. So in this acoustic set, it was just Prince and his acoustic guitar and he started playing a song and I couldn't quite place it. Uh, And again, you were there that night, although we weren't there together. Um, And I remember thinking at that moment, my God, what is this song? It's Mm. heartbreaking. This (laughs) song is heartbreaking. And then he got to the chorus. And it was a little red Corvette, and it just like knocked me back. Yeah, yeah. Like, is Little Red Corvette secretly the most heartbreaking song that he's ever written? <laughs> like, maybe it Interesting, is. Yeah, maybe it is. And that. and um, I, I love that. I love that. Yeah, um, yeah I yeah. love that about it. I love that it. It sounds like a party song, sort of, but it's not at all, in my opinion. Um, two other things I want to say really quickly is that, um, <laughs> and I know. You maybe don't agree with me on this. I do feel like Prince has some sort of slight lyrical preoccupation with horses. Horses are mentioned please, in this please song. Please explain. Yeah, I just feel like they're, it, they're, they're, it's something he uses as a symbol. They come up in other songs. and um, Besides Horny Pony, I can't think of another. <laughs> horny song. Pony? It's, it's, it's a real track. That was going to be one of the names it's of the revolution. Track. Prince and the Horny and Pony. Horny Ponies. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I feel like there's something to that. I also just want to say briefly that when, when Prince did pass away and Chevy put out an ad, Mm, with a little red yeah. Corvette, and, yeah, it and it just said, "Baby, you were gone too fast." Or, or "Baby, you were like dressed that, yeah. too fast." I was actually really moved by that yeah. ad. It was a really it's kind a classic. Gesture. It, it was, was a cool. Classic it was move. a cool, really cool ad. Um, yeah. So, little red Corvette. What do you got? What do you think? I mean, I how, how can I disagree with what you said? Well, you can't. You said it because well. I'm right. <laughs> no, we're, we're we're both right. We're here. in agreement. We're in agreement. No, this is yeah. I'm with you. I mean, I think you know he. To me, this this song is Prince saying, "Okay." 
and I, I said this a little bit at the top, you know, he could he could have been just a critical darling. He could have been a cult artist. He definitely could have had that that kind of career. He's he, he's shooting much higher than that, and he purposely thought. I know he did. I'm sure he thought through what's what kind of song can I construct that's going to be a top ten hit. Yeah, and not only that. Back to our story about the Stones. Where can I get their, those fans to buy this record? Right, right. Well, how can I get the rock and roll fans right. to buy this? And this yeah. is it. This is the song. He did it here. And also, what does he do in terms of the lyrics? He uses a very well used um, device, right. for a better way of describing it, metaphor with a car, right? Right. Little Classic American or rock and roll. Whatever. Right. The, you know, referring to uh, a woman. <laughs> I guess yeah. maybe that's not the best way to talk about it in 2021 now, but as a little red Corvette, right? So it's it's very accessible. It's super accessible. I think it may be one of his best uses of the drum machine. Yeah. I think as soon as you hear the beginning chords of this, like you said, I I love the way you described the the synth sound, like this rolling fog or this kind of expansion back and forth of a rolling fog or whatever. And you know, famously, like to your point about the, creating the sound. I mean, there's a story that Stevie Nicks heard this song in her car the first time she heard it, pulled over listened to it, was so obsessed with it, loved it so much, and immediately came to mind the song Stand Back. Um, and she actually ends up calling Prince because she was worried she was kind of ripping off his sound. Prince, said, being such a Fleetwood Max fan, was like... Don't worry about not it. Not only you say not, don't worry about it, it just so happened when they were recording together in the same studio, he came in and played that synth flick for Stand Back, uncredited. So, yeah, I mean... Do you think Stevie Nicks pulled over and got out of the car and tripped over her various sashes and and frocks that she wears? <laughs> like just stumbled and hit the ground. I could see. Out of the I car? could see many a time Stevie accidentally closed the door on her on her. <laughs> she must dress. have. It, 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 it must happen. happen a lot. It, had it has to happen a lot. But she had those really big heels. Yeah, those shoes heels. Too, yeah. Um, and maybe that's where she said stand back. Maybe stand, stand back, back was more stand, stand back. back from the car door. Stand back from the car. So the other thing I didn't want to mention too is I believe this is the only time you're going to hear someone else do a prince a, a guitar solo. In a Correct. Song. Yeah, it's Dez, so, right? Yeah, it's Dez. So you and know, he rips it. He destroys. He, he it. He rips it. And I've certainly seen lists where this this solo is listed as one of the best solos on a, a on a track. Um, and it's good. Old Dez, Dez Dickerson does it. So. Yeah. Kudos to Dez on that. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, it's iconic. It's, you can't it's say Little Red Corvette. It. It's Little Red Corvette. It's little red. I will say this. Um, you talked about it being sort of melancholy. Yeah. I will, and, and how it can, it, 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 maybe if the song even twists a little bit, it can take a different shape. If you have a chance, listen to, I think it's the, the release was called Prince Ultimate, I think. Um, you could probably stream it. Um, it inc- it includes a lot of his great like his big hits, but it also um, includes twelve inch like extended versions of his songs. Yeah. So there's extended version of Little Red Corvette. It's not just the album version; it's actually even longer. And Prince adds a sort of a minor key bass line in it, and it's it grooves and it, it's just it's so interesting. Questlove talks about it. I think in an interview about how Prince adds just a little twist to the song and it completely. Re- redoes the song, reshapes the song, and has a whole different take on it. So uh, go ahead and take a listen to that if you have a chance. Absolutely. And we'll just say real quickly, hey, Quest, uh, we're Philly boys. If you want to come on the pod and talk to us about Prince, which we know you're always happy to talk about Prince, <laughs> we would love to have you on. We'd love to. We'll, we'll you know, we'll get you, we, you know, we buy your vegan cheesesteaks at the Philly ballpark. We do. Just Quest. to say, we, we get Quest's cheesesteaks. We so. do, Quest. We get your cheesesteaks at the ballpark all yeah. the time. We'd love to have you on the pod. So anyway, <laughs> moving on. So. Talk about the next song? Track number three, Delirious. It's terrible. I shouldn't even do that. This track is called Delirious. I know Ed's Ed's very unhappy with me right now. Delirious. I get delirious. Never your knees. 
Hey, do you feel delirious? How are you feeling? I feel delirious uh, uh, when I'm with you. Is, is that how the line goes? I think I'm saying the verse wrong. You know, it's a fun song. It's a fun little song. It's a nice, different vibe from the first two tracks. Very right? much. We got Super Jam. We got rock, kind of rock song. And now we have this kind of rockabilly swing. You know, very much cut in the same cloth as like the sound of Jack You Off. Um, that kind of sound to it. So it's similar. Um, obviously, a lot more re- radio friendly than Jack You Off. Um, you know, and I this the synth uh, lick if you want to call it the sound you know it's a little delirious it's a little yeah. weird it's a little crazy sound to it I, I think it's a fun little track you know i don't i don't have much more to say about it it's not my best probably my favorite track uh, of the album but it's certainly i understand why it did well and yeah. it's definitely a jam and i love that the ex- i love the extension of it yeah it's another one where i don't like the radio edits i love the way he kind of riffs at the end of this album cut of this one and also he does this thing again with what he's doing with many of the songs here he adds a little button at the back end of the song this time a little baby just kind of happy giggles noise of a baby at yeah. the end yeah so interesting song what did you think of it yeah it's similar i i wrote down it's it's bubblegum it's good bubblegum it's yeah. it's hubba bubba bubblegum yeah. um i feel like sonically it's not as full as the previous two tracks mm-hmm. uh with you know there's just not as much happening for me but it's fun yeah. it's super fun i don't think there's anything much under it i think it is what it is yeah you know, uh, it's a dance par- yep. party, good time track. Um, and that, that synth riff, the famous, you know, delirious synth riff, I find both catchy is all hell, but a little annoying, <laughs> just slightly annoying. <laughs> right. At the same time, I think because it's, it's such a, it's so pitched so high. Yeah. You know, um, so yeah, I think, I, but much like to echo you, um, I, I like the coda. I like that extended sort of version. I think it gets a little more interesting there. I actually like that more than I like sort of the lyric melody. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, Delirious is, I enjoy it. It's not my favorite, but I enjoy it. Cool. Yeah. All right, so let's move on. So the next track is a little track called Let's Pretend We're Married. About pretending to be married, well, I feel like pretending to be married is problematic. I mean, we all do it, yeah. Do we? Do we? I'm not sure, yeah. Anyway, uh, this track here's what I wrote here's where it gets strange. Here's where yeah. 1999 the album gets a little weird, and I'm in, I'm here for it, I'm into it. I love the propulsion of mm. that synth riff, yeah. it's just like driving forward, it's, it's just driving, throbbing. Yeah. Um, and um, I think the song is at this point in his career, unholy like anything else. Like that he's done, um, uh, and it's got a full sound. And again, I feel like I'm going to say this a lot in this record. There's something a little moody underneath it. There's something a little dark underneath it. He, this is a the protagonist of this song, is saying, "Let's pretend we're married just so he can have sex with this woman all night for as much as he wants for as long as he wants." There's something um, I'm going to say almost aggressive about it mm-hmm. that he's really pursuing this thing. Yeah. And you know, some of the lyrics in this, you know, I love, I particularly like the line. I'm going to another life. How about you mm. saying, in my opinion, like this is the one we got, but this isn't enough. And I want you to come with me. If you want to come with me, great. But if you're not going to, that's okay too. You know, it, it's, it, there's something, um, Nonchalant's not the word I want, but he's, he's, it's almost, uh, 
is disregarding the word I want. Like he wants this thing from the woman. He wants to fuck her all night long. Yeah. But if he doesn't, well, this is I'm going on to the next thing. And if you come with me, great. But if you don't, that's okay too. It's funny. I want to talk to you about that. Because he's not interested in being married. Well, right? there's, the, there's the thing I want to talk to you about that last part, that rap at the end, if you want to call yeah. it for some lack of a better way to describe it. Like, is that is that him breaking the fourth wall? Is he talking to her, to the person in the song, or is he talking to us, like out outside the song? So I always thought it was kind of outside. Yeah, outside the, the world the of the there. song. Yeah, that's an interesting. That's an interesting question. Um, I don't know. I think in in my I listened to the you know I listened to this album a bunch before we recorded. I always was struck. I always thought he was talking to her, mm. trying to convince her of something. Um, but I, that might be wrong. Yeah. You might be right. It might be a breaking of the fourth wall. Right. If it is, that makes it even more interesting. Yeah, I think that's kind of that's why I feel. I just think yeah. some of the ways the ways he, the lines he's using, right? Like. Yeah. Uh, uh, if you like to fight, you're a double drag fool. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't think he's saying that to the woman. Right. Um, right. That he's right. trying to seduce or whatever you want to call it. So. Right. Anyway. Um, yeah. I mean, this song, here's the way I think about it. I think about the album. Like, again, I, I'm saying this many, many times and I'll try not to keep repeating it, but about this being a party album. But I kind of visualize it, this this change in tone or ch- difference or the change in tone from, from, say, going from Delirious to this in this respect. It's like you've been invited into this cool, very cool party, and it's a big party, inclusive party, lots of people. It's like you're opening that door. Think about a big warehouse party. It's like all these people they're jamming, and that to me that's representative of 1999 Little Red Corvette Delirious, right? Mm-hmm. But if you remember going to some of those parties, which I don't, cause I never, I was never invited really. But but you would go, <laughs> you might find it maybe a house party like that other room, right? Yes, that was a little darker. But a lot more interesting. You could really have a conversation, maybe even find someone to maybe get intimate with or whatever, find or make a connection. That's what I feel. As soon as we go from the the, the gurgling happy baby noise yeah. to that first boom, boom, yeah. boom, to me it's like fuck. I found this cooler room. Yeah, it's and a little it's darker more, it's, in there. It's, it's a little weirder. In it's there. weirder. It's a little scary, but it's yeah. a lot more interesting. Yeah, and that's kind of how I feel when we when when this song begins. Um, the other thing too about this this song that I, I think is so interesting, it's a lot more complex, I think, than you would think from just listening to the arrangement of how it how it's put together. I, I agree with that. I think that's you know? fair. Yeah. I also, uh, and I know you're not a big fan of his talking stuff. I, I have a sense, but I really, <laughs> <laughs> I really dig um, the off key noises that right before he starts to kind of seduce, quote unquote, seduce the woman in the story. Right. Uh, I think is really really cool. Um, and and this this one last thing I'll say before we move on to the next song um, is that this this song has a lot of personal uh, uh, like a, a recollection for me because I remember being in the backyard with my dad doing some yard work back in like 1983 like whatever like, you, like do. you do had my box out there yeah yeah playing this album and then that that part of the song came on where he does the rap or you want to call it the thing and then when he says I, I'm gonna have fun every motherfucking night. And my dad just like stopped what he was doing. I think we were raking or something, <laughs> raking up grass or leave, whatever. He just stopped. He looked at me and said, "Is there gonna be any more of that in that in, in on this with this music?" And I just said, "I just looked up and I just walked over and turned the tape off." <laughs> and that was the end of the Prince. Yep, that I was might it. have put Wham on at that point. Yeah, a little Wham, a little, had a, a little careless whisper. I had to put Circle back to Wham. But yeah, yeah. that's that's my memory of this song. But I I really 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 dig this track a lot. I like it a lot too. Yeah, I think it's. It's pretty powerful. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, great. So now uh, we're moving on to track number five. D-M-S-R. Take the deep breath and sing along with me. Yes. Are you ready? 
Ed, what does DMSR stand for? Uh, don't move. So rescue. No. No. Don't move so regally. Regally. Don't move so regally? Yeah, regally. Maybe it's dolphins might shoot rhinos. I think that's true. That's always been a concern of mine. I mean, they're kind of gun fanatics. They are. Dolphins. They're brainy. Uh, It stands for dance, music, sex, romance. And... God help us for that. Dolphins may shoot rhinos. What do you think about DMSR? Uh... Man, is this a jam? You know, this is, jam. and it's become an iconic jam. And if you follow Prince at all, you know this is like a high point for any live concert of his. If he brings this into the uh, the groove of the concert, like it's it's going to be a dance party, right? I literally, I have a note here. Hi there, fat fat bass. <laughs> <laughs> so you know he's of course drum machine, a lot of synth. He brings the bass really up in yeah. this song, and it's man, is it is it nasty and fat? I love it. Um, I also love the use of his group vocals here, his own vocals. Like he just is really getting masterful for how he layers his voice on a lower, like that lower range that like you talked about. Yeah. Um, even like sometimes if you listen to it, and I happen to be listening, a uh, potential sponsor, Bose headphones. <laughs> yeah, we're, uh, yeah, Bose, if you want Bose, to sponsor us. Uh, I can recommend you guys listen to these albums if you go back and re-listen with Bose heads. I, That's also what I listen to. Yeah. It's the truth. This is not, uh, we both listen the to The unofficial, official headphone of <laughs> Windows Podcast. That's correct. Um, I heard so much more in the music because yeah. I was listening to it with those headphones. And even like sometimes in a verse, one word in a in a run of a verse will have a layered vocal. Yeah, just right. to kind of punch that that one word of of a line. It's it's amazing how he does that. Um, the one thing I will, I do have one little, I have two little things that maybe they're not so little, but 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 maybe criticisms or whatever about the song. I think it's, this one is too long. Like I think when it gets to the part where there's a drum roll kind of part where do 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 yeah. and then he goes into name dropping his kind of fake Minneapolis community like Jamie yeah. Starr gets right. that gets named name dropped and then he talks about Vanity Six, which is a real thing. Um I just feel like it, it could have been cut out. Like I don't think we needed that extra piece of the song. Could have been trimmed a little. But I do love at the end him uh, calling out uh, and this is why I mentioned how much I loved Uptown. He calls out all these different ethnic groups to to chant with him and kind yeah. of becomes this very inclusive thing, which I love. Yeah. However, I will end with this one last thing, which is the end. Again, just so interesting and just odd that it's party, 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 party song, and then some women, woman screaming, help me, somebody help me. I have the same note. So just interesting. So what? Yeah, yeah. give me your thoughts. And we can maybe talk a little bit more about that ending. Um, I, well, my, my notes were, this song is not a metaphor. It is, it, it is what it is. It is dance, right. music, sex, romance. Right. And I feel like you could say that this is Prince's mantra of what he yeah. believes in, what yeah. he holds dear, yeah. the things that are important, dance, music, sex, romance. Yep. I feel like that's kind of it. Yeah. Um, maybe not in that order. Maybe, maybe not, not in that order. Maybe not in that order. Um, it's a groove. It's a total jam. And I feel like um, something that surprises me is that it was not a single. I, I feel yeah. like it would have been, yeah. especially if, I mean, considering that they edited every other single, yeah, yeah. you could have trimmed this down, and I feel like this could have been a pretty big radio hit. Now, for Prince Heads, and I guess not even hardcore Prince Heads, this is still kind of a hit. It quote is, unquote. yeah. It's definitely one. Yeah. But it wasn't a single, and I think that's that's a surprising choice to me. Hmm. Um, I think it, I think it could have been a big, a big success. Um that's kind of what I have to say about it, and except to echo your point, that that final moment where you hear the woman's voice. Do we know who did that? 
Is that Wendy? Uh, or? I'm thinking. No, Wendy's not with or no, me. No, I mean Lisa. Is it, it, could, Lisa? it could have been Lisa. Uh, it could have been Lisa. Yeah. Um, but hearing that voice screaming, help me, somebody help me at the end. Yeah. Is a little dis- disturbing because it doesn't, it sounds like the woman is legitimately yeah. in distress. It sounds like someone in distress. Yeah. It doesn't sound like someone saying like, help me, I'm having too good of a time at this party and I just can't stop. Yeah. It sounds like I'm in trouble. I'm being attacked. I'm being stalked. I'm yeah. being assaulted. Something bad is happening to this yeah. person. Um, and it makes you ask, what is happening here? What is happening at the end of this song? And, you know, if we go to that, you know, again, this sort of loose idea I threw out there that 1999 is a concept album about a party at the end of the world. And as you said, like different rooms, different things are happening. What's happening in this room? Yeah. Uh, it seems like it's a rocking good time, but maybe it's not, you know? Um, yeah. And I, I think, um... Not to not to jump on my overall impression of the record, uh, which we'll get to, but I do feel like there is throughout the whole of this album elements of darkness that yeah. are creeping in and out of almost every track, with the exception of maybe Delirious. I don't think it's really there, and maybe maybe International Lover. It's not really there, but yeah. I think every other track there's something dark happening. No, I think it's a good and, point, and I like that. I'm not opposed to that. It's just I'm just curious about it. Yeah, you know, no, it's just interesting. No, I hear so, you. Those are my thoughts on DMSR. All right, so we should move on. Well, let us move on. Let's move on to a track that's called AUT Omatic. AUT Omatic Automatic. Yeah. What do you think about that AUT-O-Matic? Well, I think um, much like my belief that he has a preoccupation with horses, which I know you don't quite subscribe to, no. I think no. Prince also has, especially this part in his career, a preoccupation with computers and machines. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you. What they mean, what they can do, what they will do. I think there's um, a fear Present, maybe fear is too strong a word. Maybe concern, hmm. a little worry, like what, what's going to happen with all these computers? And, and again, I personally believe that's tied into the overall societal concern about nuclear warfare, mm-hmm. how missiles were being controlled by computers and machines, and what if there is an accident, and what if something goes wrong, and you know, uh, so forth and so on, things yeah. like this. Um, so uh, I, I think that's a part of it. Um, I think there's something unsettling about the song in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, while he does not name check computers specifically, I feel, or, or machines, I do feel like the title obviously is sort of suggesting that. Yeah. I also wonder this. I wonder if the song, I mean, let me put it this way. The lyrics he sort of is saying, I'll, I'll do this, I'll do that. I'll love you, it's automatic. I'll kiss you, it's automatic. All these sorts of things. I can't help wonder if he's talking about a sex toy. Mm. Um, a yeah. vibrator, some something electric, something that you turn on and turn yeah. off. Mm. Um, that's just total speculation on my part. It would certainly fit his themes. I mean, yeah. it's not outside the realm of possibility. No. Um, but it always seems to be talking about how... If you do this, I'll pleasure you. If right, you do this, right, I'll right, do this. Right, right. You know, all you got to do is turn me on kind of thing. So, I don't know. It's just a thought. Um, I love the vocal work on it. 
I think he does sort of neat little vocal runs when he says like, you know, automatic too. Those yeah, little like yeah. sort of twirls coming up. I really like that. Yeah. Um, again, in this one, I do think the spoken world stuff is, a, the spoken word stuff is a little cheesy for me. It's a, eh, you know. Um, but I, I, I love the guitar solo that kicks in with less than three yeah, minutes left. I knew you'd like Really that. good. Yeah. Really, really good. Yep. Um, now, coming to the end of this song... Let's talk about this for a minute. Sure. Not dis, not unlike DMSR, there was something here at the end that I find disconcerting, which is there is this chorus of cries, yeah. m- moans, maybe. They don't exactly sound like sex moans, sex, sexual sounds. I mean, they could be, of course. Um, so what I was writing here is that, to me, there's an equation equation of the release of pleasure with the release of pain. Hmm. Um, Because some of those cries sound painful to me. So I'm wondering about, you know, is it almost an exorcism of of some kind? You know, the... How pain can lead to pleasure and pleasure can lead to pain. Mm -hmm. You know, too much of either can can make that happen. Hmm. So, um, I don't know. Uh, Again, this is a song instrumentally... I'm I'm kind of into it. it yeah. It's uh it's got it's got a very synthetic yeah. sound. Um except for that guitar solo, really. Um but it intrigues me. I'm intrigued by it. What what do you think about automatic? Well, I think if <clears throat> to your point about the computers and all that, I think if they had redone Metropolis in the 80s and made it a little and sorry, made, made uh, Metropolis or remade it in the 80s. Um but it was a lot more sexy. Yeah, yeah, sexy metropolis. This song would land right on that soundtrack, would probably be used in the actual film itself. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I feel that it's it's interesting that you say about the ominous sense of computers. I, I never really got that from Prince, but I, I, I'm interested by what you're saying there. I, and I may be somewhat influenced about how he seemed to really super embrace computers in the 90s, like the internet yeah, and stuff like right, that. Right. So I always felt that he... I never got a sense that he was afraid of technology or something like that. Yeah, maybe but, afraid is too strong of a yeah, word. But. but but I mean, your point's still well taken. Um, you know, in terms of me with the song, like, I, this is a song for me, honestly, when I listen to the album, I'm usually anticipating another song down the road <laughs> a little yeah, bit. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, automatic. You know, so it's certainly one that once I listen to it, like, in, you know, by itself, I'm like, oh, I appreciate it. It's I like the way it's put together. Um, I love the outro. I love that guitar we just talked about. Um, I actually find this, this conversation with this particular woman, and just like the tone that he uses, like with, I'm, I'm assuming it's Lisa's voice in here. Um, it's so, it is robotic, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think of how you kiss me and how our hearts have been, our soul. I'm going to have to torture you now. All that stuff. Like it's, it's very monotone. Yes. Um, and so that just intrigues me too. Um, and this whole sense of, um, he, please don't, don't torture me. And then she says, I'm going to have to torture you now, you right. know, and all that stuff. I just, it, it just, it, again, it, it takes me back to, in, in my mind, I literally can see Metropolis. Like I get to right. see that. Yeah, film I get here. that. I get um, that. Totally. So really interesting, uh, really interesting track. All right. Moving on. Track number seven on 1999 is something in the water does not compute. <laughs> Edward, how's your computation skills? Uh, well, I'll tell you, um, something in my water doesn't compute. 
That sounds like a personal problem. It does. I you need to see a, a physician. I'm, I'm, I got my Cologuard, so I'm okay. Cologuard, if you want to be a sponsor. <laughs> we're, we're happy to take We're happy it. to take a sponsor for that. Adults um, depends. It's the official colonoscopy test of Wyndham's podcast. <laughs> anyway, folks, um, what a cool, cool song this is. I mean... His use of the of the Lynn drum machine here, um, I think Bobby Z mentions that in that he review. Does, they yeah, talk he about. does. Yeah, like he that that the panic. I don't know how else to describe it. The panic of the hi hat. Yeah, um, that's a great word for it. Yeah, it really is. It. You know, um, and that slightly off keyboard again. He, he's using a lot of that weird tone with the keyboard to make it a little off key. It it, it kind of. Takes me back to um, Ashes to Ashes almost with uh, oh, with Bowie. Interesting, yeah. Um, interesting. And you know, and I think he gets you know he's known for his screaming in the songs. Right, he's doing his different scripts. I think this might be one of his best uses of the scream. Yeah, he really he he talks about his frustrations. Why won't why does all do all these women leave him? Obviously, is it something in the water? You know, what 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 is it? What how is this happening? And it kind of builds and builds and builds. So he just like it's a primal scream moment, right? And it's off key. It's like not even. It's out. It's just. It's otherworldly. Yeah. Um. And I just think it, it's so well, well done. And in that whole tire where he screams, I think at the end, if you really listen, and again, thanks to Bose headphones, you can hear him punch the mic. It sounds like he punches he the punches mic it. Yeah, twice yeah, or something. It at does. One point. Yeah. Um. So uh, I think it's interesting, and I think one thing too that I find really cool about it is it's so oddly put together. It's just so interestingly put together. And then at the end, it's almost like he. He gives in to it all, or he kind of lets himself go uh, to the whole situation, and it kind of is him just br- very breath in a breathy way, saying these last words, and then all of a sudden everything kind of calms down, and it's these kind of just really pretty chords, yeah, that are kind of laid out um, that build and just kind of end on that s- sort of this. It feels settled to me in some for some reason at that point. Yeah, what did you think of that song? Um, interesting. I, I want to. Well, I'll. I'll circle back to the end because I, I have a different take on it than you. But okay. um, I think for me, I, I feel like this is Fear of Machines mm-hmm. part two okay. a little bit. Um, I think this is a, a song, again, like ostensibly, it's about sort of a man chasing a woman, you know, trying to get with her or something. But again, I feel there's some, there's a little bit of menace in this song. There's mm-hmm. a little something dark in it. Yeah. Um and I, I, I feel like I'm being really repetitive in that, but I, I do really feel that that's true. Uh, and and there's the there's this deep, lush, almost cello-like sound of the synth for me, uh, especially at the end. Mm-hmm. That in my mind, you said it felt settled. To me, I don't hear a happy ending. I don't mm. think it signals that. I feel like it signals something um, darker. It mm. has happened here at the end of this relationship a meeting you know like it's hard yeah. to even say what's happening between yeah. these two characters yeah besides one's trying to pursue another one right but i feel like it doesn't end well hmm. uh whatever that is um okay. and you know it's always it, part of the question too and i wish we could ask him and and maybe we can find some literature or an interview that speaks to this but you know a lot of writers songwriters will say well i'm writing a character a character's doing this it's not me right. but i don't i never heard prince say that i never heard prince talk about i'm writing in a character's voice right and i'd be curious to hear if anybody has any knowledge of that or an interview where he says something like that send it our way yeah please let us know i'd link, link it on our pages link yeah. it on our pages or you know tweet yeah. it at us or something I, yeah. I i'd be really curious about that um 
because it, it it always feels like it's his first person. It's Prince's first right. person. Right. Yeah, I feel that um, way too. I agree. And I don't think, given some of the subject matter, that can be wholly accurate. But I don't know. Maybe it is. I don't know. Yeah. So those are my thoughts on something in the water. And also, I mean, again, I'll say really quickly, I like it. I, I, I like the. You sound better like it. it. I did. Wow. You better. Wow. This this podcast only got a little medicine. <laughs> got a little dark undertone to it. <laughs> Uh, all right, so let's talk about the next one. Let's move on from here. Let please. us move on, let's please. Move on. Why please. keep going on and on about something this in the water? Let's talk about freaks. Uh, Jared, are you glad to be free? Free to change your mind? I'm free to change my mind, and the rest will follow. Right? How about that? Pretty good. That was pretty good. That was the original uh, En Vogue song, I the, believe. The En Vogue, yeah. yeah. The mighty ladies of En Vogue. Uh, if you guys want to be a sponsor of When Does Podcast, <laughs> we'd be happy to have you on as guests. We'd love to have En Vogue on. I, any day, anytime. Anytime En Vogue wanted to be on. Anytime. Oh, my God. Talk I mean, to them anytime. Anytime. Um, so, Free. It's a, it's a ballad, clearly, but it starts unusually for a ballad with the sounds of the marching feet of soldiers, yeah, right, and lockstep. There's a blowing wind, um, sort of howling kind of thing. You know, soldiers in a storm, um, which, uh, as I think Prince continues to prove over and over again that he does really well, there is something that, it, you know, undercuts, maybe undercuts not the right word, but like belays the the tone of the music, mm. which is a, a pretty ballad. It's a pretty one. And it, and, and, but when you listen to the lyrics, you're like, Oh shit, what's going on here? You yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by, by these lyrics in particular, this particular, this little couplet. Um, so don't sleep until you're guilty. Cause sinners all are we, there's others doing far worse than us. So be glad that you are free. Mm. I want to just unpack that for a second. Don't sleep until you're guilty. Like, in other words, don't take a break. Don't stop what you're doing until you do the thing that you know you're not supposed to. Hmm. Or that you're being told you're not supposed to. Yeah. Because all of us are sinners. We are all culpable in this life. And that being the case, why not live as fully as you can while you can? That's how I'm interpreting that. Yeah. Um, You know... And also, like, this thing, there's, there's others doing far worse than us, so be glad that you are free. There are degrees to this. You know, there's a difference between, I don't know, like murder and and uh, hooking up with somebody. Like, you know, just because some people might call all of it a sin doesn't mean that that's really equitable, right? They're not really equivalent. So um, I, I think there's something really fascinating about that. Um, I think that this is, it's not a protest song, mm-hmm. but I do think it's a political song, a very heavily political song about how people should be allowed to live their lives as they choose to live them, hmm. um, in my opinion. Um, and also, I'll just tag on and say, I think there's more great guitar stuff in this one. Yeah, at the really end, there's, there's, a, the end, there's a lot of really good guitar stuff. So, um, yeah. Ed, what did you think about Free? I think this is, you know, I, I, I keep using this, but I'll come back to it because I think it's appropriate. I think this is him attempting to do a Sly song. I think this is another... Um, you know, in the vein of stand or, you know, something like that. Yeah. Kind of a nice little just simple piano song. Um, it's pretty straightforward, like you said, musically, right? Yeah, I, I yeah, don't think you're going to yeah. get something this kind of, I, I hate to use this term because it's never this easy or with Prince, but a simple straight ahead song until you get to say Arms of Orion, yeah. which we'll talk about in a couple albums down the way. Yeah. Um, 
But, you know, it's funny, I, I always, and maybe I'm, I'm, I could be very much misinterpreting where he's coming from, but, you know, the, the lyrics in my mind hit me in a way of, it's actually, it feels oddly pro-military. Now, maybe he's doing it symbolically huh. with the marching of, yeah. the, of the, and saying that we need to fight individually for our freedom, or don't yeah. take your freedom for granted, which seems to be pretty much what, what the general tone of the, of the lyric is in my mind. Um but um, it's it's just so if, if that was the case, if I am right about my take that he's saying that, you know, there's other places that aren't as free as us or, or, or not as free as we are, we th- that we get to enjoy here in the States, um, we should be willing to fight for that freedom. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that might mean soldiers and boots <clears throat> going places and fighting things uh, so different than just two albums ago with with Party Up. Totally. You know, yeah, uh, I don't totally want to fight different. your damn war. Right. Um, that type of thing. So it's just interesting to me. So Well, maybe that, that's the... Maybe, actually, if I may, you, maybe you fit upon the difference there. I don't want to fight your war, but I'll fight for myself. Oh, that's a good... That's I'll fight for my freedom, yeah. but I'm not going to fight because you tell me I'm supposed to. That's a, that's an interesting take. Yeah. I mean, it's wrong, but it's good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what do we got next, Jared? Well, uh, what do we have next? Woo. Okay, buckle up for this one. Uh, next we have... Lady Cab Driver. This is for the cab who used to drive for no money at all. This is for why I wasn't born like my brother, handsome and tall. This is for politicians who are bored and believe in war. And this, yeah, that's for me, that's who that one's for. This is for discrimination and egotists who think supreme. This is for whoever taught you how to kiss and design a jeans. Ah, uh, that one's for, that one's for where you have to live. Ed, this one's um, for rich, not you're a frequenter of cabs. You take a lot of cabs. Yes. You're a cab man. I'm a cab man. I've is been that called, fair to I've say? Been called the you cab love man. taxi? You love, you're a big fan. Love taxi. John Hirsch. Huge fan of taxi. Tony Danza, Mary yep. Lou Henner, yep. young Danny DeVito. Young Danny DeVito. Christopher Lloyd. I can keep going. I don't have to. You don't have to. I'd stop there. I don't stop Andy there. Kaufman, yeah. Um, oh, Andy Kaufman. Um, lady cab driver. What do you, what, tell me what? This I song think, is a puzzle. I think it's about empowerment. I think it's about uh, women can drive cabs. I think... I'm joking. <laughs> no. I don't think that's it at all. No, that's not it. Uh, at all. This is a very complex, interesting track to me. Um, is it ever? Let me start with the music of it, and then we can get into the the content because the content's to me is it just it's it, a puzzle. It gets me. Yeah, it gets my head kind of rocking a bit here, yeah. and kind of gets unsettled. Um, in terms of the rhythm track, I think this might be one of the best uses he does of using combining and and uh, the use of the drum machine and live drumming. I just think it just works so well here. Um, it, I think it's 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 irresistible the way the rhythm tracks put together. Yeah, and of course his rhythm guitar is insanely good here. It's very good. Um, and then he has that now what becomes the Minneapolis sound that kind of like do 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 that little yeah. riff that, that little, little synth riff. riff. Yeah, um, very cool, very cool. Now, content wise, I got to tell you, even back in the day when I listened to this, um, I was always a little uncomfortable with his. How do we say this? Um, how the bridge? This? Is it the bridge? The bridge, you know, the bed, the mattress, the backseat of the cab. I don't know where this is, on the hood of the car. I don't know where this is happening. But when he's having sex with this gal, and he's going through this yeah. very rap, I don't know. Uh, uh, it, it, it's what's what's what, what, what disturbed me, I think, about it is that, or what disturbs me about it is, whereas Prince can sometimes do a great job of seducing and kind of, it's very communal, there's a certain... Um, 
level playing field between him and this his partner and the, a lot of these stories you want to call them that he creates whatever he seems like he's disconnected from her he from most of this right he's he's fucking his way through all his troubles in his mind yeah and It'd be one thing if it felt like it was a joined, she's doing the same too, mm-hmm. but it really feels like he's using her to work out his shit, and he's exclaiming all these things. Though I will say that my favorite, one of my favorite rhyming lines of his of all time is, this is for Yosemite Sam and the tours at Disneyland, <laughs> um, which, you know, but it goes all over the place, you know? Um and then we get into this weird, with these sound effects, right? Yeah. It, it goes off, and then there's gurgling noises, and and... I, at one point, I was I kind of revisited the album maybe ten years ago, and I really was listening to this track, and I was like, "Wait, does he like actually kill the woman in the story? Like, is this character kill the woman and drown her? And he's down at the pier because you hear seagulls going." And I remember even asking the question, and I got a lot like, "No, you're, you're being ridiculous. That's not what really happened here." But um, from other Prince fans, but right. I still like it's it's very like you said about the like this ominous nature. Yeah, really hits home here with this one, yeah. right? Um, so yeah, let's let's talk through some of your thoughts, and maybe I can add to what you were saying. Yeah, yeah. Well, as I what I wrote down was there's a lot to unpack. There's a lot to unpack. There's a lot to unpack. So let me say just very briefly, um, I do think the music is great. Yeah. There's a slinky groove in it. I think that's really cool. Um, you know, and I feel like it's sort of a you know it's a sound pastiche of a sort. It there's is. All kinds of, like as you mentioned, we hear we hear the city. A city, whatever city it is, we hear the ocean, we hear gulls, we hear a conversation. We hear a ripping guitar solo. We hear a ripping rip guitar solo, which rip I'm it. which I'm all about that. Yeah. Um and there's a long coda that just sort of goes on. There's a funky bass in there, which is really great. Um But the go but the narrative of it. So um going back to the question I posed earlier, like is Prince writing as Prince or is this a character or like what was going yeah. on? So, yeah, yeah. so let me, let me run through you what I think is the, what I'm perceiving is the linear yeah. progression of the story of this song. Our protagonist, he gets into a cab. He tells the cab driver who's a woman that he wants to just, he wants to get away. He wants to get away from everything. He's ready to run away from it. He wants to just take him somewhere else. Yeah. Um, we don't know exactly what the it is that he's running from, but it could be any number of things. Right. Um, life, job, home, relationships, whatever it is. Um, and if we go, just to pause there, if, if if we try to find some type of thread from previous Prince work, we could say in Any Christian yeah. from the previous album where he says he's going to live his life in a taxi cab, somehow like get away. Sure. Paranoia of just the general world. Remember yeah. Any Christian, how paranoid that song is. Correct. Very much so. Yeah. So, so that so kind of could carry over into this. Totally. Program. could co- yeah. totally carry on to this. And yeah. then anyway... Presumably, we think the protagonist of the song fucks the lady cab driver. Yeah. Probably, I guess, in the back seat. And as you mentioned, delivering this weird monologue. Um, and I have it all here. I won't read all of it because it's lengthy. But, you know, saying things like, this is for the cab. You have to drive for no money at all. This is for why I wasn't born like my brother, handsome and tall. This is for politicians who are bored and believe in war. This, yeah, that's for me. That's who that one's for. He through e- through each line of this is for, this is for, this is for. We hear grunts. Yeah, uh, we hear him. The, the protagonist presumably thrusting. Perhaps. Yeah, that's where I, how I would and, read it. And the female character is is um, crying out, moaning. Is it pleasurable? It, yeah, maybe. It, it, maybe it's, it sounds it's, a little wailing to me. A little wailing. Yeah, I mean, it's on, it, it, it's whatever is happening is aggressive, mm-hmm. and, he's, he, and it sounds like I think you said this. 
Whatever he's doing, he's taking it out on her. Yes, it feels like. Right? Whatever his various things, this is for this, this is for that, he's taking it out on her. Um, This one's for love without sex, he says. This one's for the women so beautifully complex. You know, the galaxy's better than not having a place to go. Also interesting, you know, when we say galaxy, what do we mean? Do we really mean outer space, a more existential idea of what galaxy is, an afterlife, a heaven, I don't know. Then we have the ocean, seagulls, um, we have that gurgling sound, and and like you're, it's funny because you mentioned, oh, I wonder if this female character is drowning. I was wondering, is it like, is the is the protagonist gargling? Is it is it oral sex? Is that supposed to be representative of oral sex in some way? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know. Um, but it, the song is a puzzle. I do think that, it, again, this is an instance where the, the tone of the music belies the menace that's in the track. Um, I think it's fascinating. I think it's a fascinating It piece. is. I, I agree with you there. Um, I can't deny uh, that. And, and it's not like, it's not a pop song. It's something else, <laughs> no, right? Not, it's almost avant-garde in, in a certain sense. So yeah. um, this is this is a song that a track that I'm still going to be thinking about trying to figure out what it is. I'm sure you are too. And again, for all everybody who's listening, you got some thoughts on what's going yeah, on. Please share. Track? I mean, I'd love to hear it. I, and that's the genius. I think of this song and genius of Prince and how he constructs himself in the music, right? Because it'd be one thing if he was just straight out aggressive, it was right. just the first few lines you mentioned and just like, I'm doing this for me and, and these certain things. And that was it. But then he throws in things like, like you said, this is for love without sex. These are for women. How does it go with the complexity women of women? So beautifully complex. Beautifully complex, yeah. right? And like, so he's, it's it's all over the map. Like it's he's, all over the map. It, it, so you can't really find one particular consistent theme through it, what yeah. he's going through. Yeah. Um, and that's what makes it so interesting because you don't know. Like it's hard to say, oh, I know exactly where he's coming from or what he's doing. We it's don't. It's really hard to say. You can't you can't say. Yeah. Um it's a little yeah. impossible. So this this track is really open to interpretation. It can mean a lot of things. Yeah. Um, and you know, look, if people are listening and they want to get on board, we want to hear your takes on it. Yeah. I, we're certainly curious. We're not being definitive. We don't know. So yeah. um anyway, that's that's Lady Cab Driver. Yeah, let's 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 move on. Let's there, let us move on. So the next track is called All the Critics Love You in New York. The reason that you're cool is cause you're from the old school and they know it. Do you, do you think that the critics don't love them anywhere else? It's an interesting question. That's the question um, of the night. Yeah, so... All the critics love you in New York. I'm into this track. Um, okay, it, it, I am. It's <laughs> uh, first of all, Lady Cab Driver bleeds into it. They edit. They're yeah. edited together, right? Yeah. So they sort of flow into one another. Um, I think that this is an instance that we're in Prince. I believe it's Prince. I believe this is a protagonist where it is Prince. Yep. talking to himself. Mm. That he is, in my opinion. Bucking himself up that that and, and you know perhaps as a result or, or rather in response to being booed off the Stones tour mm, and all mm-hmm. of that incident um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that uh, you 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 do have ambition you do have talent you do have all these things 
All the critics love you in New York. So you can do all this other stuff. You can dance. You can do all these things. You, you have this gift. You have this power. Believe in yourself. You can still do that. I feel like even if I, as I'm saying that out loud, I feel like I'm oversimplifying it a little bit. But I do think that there is a conversation in this track that Prince is having with himself hmm. about his career, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd also like to add that there's two mentions of purple. Yeah, here it's true. There is um, the mention of Purple Lamore and Purple High. Yeah, we need a Purple High. Um, so there we go, our beloved Purple uh, with Prince. Yeah, um, the music itself, um, the music is propulsive. It drives forward. I think um, there's. A, I feel like there's an urgency yeah, under it that that to me, I'm sure intentionally, echoes the rhythm of New York City. Oh, interesting. Uh, how yeah, you're yeah, in yeah. the city, and, yeah. and when you're all of a sudden, you're like sweat. When you step off the bus, you get off the train, you get out of your yeah. car, get out of this, and all you're swept off. It's like a river. You're just going. Yeah. And it feels That's like there's some point. of that to that in yeah. that to me. Um, there's a, another great guitar solo buried in here. It's lower in the mix, but it's there. Um, there's some really neat computer soundy bleep bloop lot of lot computer things, bleep songs, you yeah, know, which is cool. Sounds, yeah. um, I also want to say one more thing lyrically. He makes a point to call out punks. He calls out hippies. Um, I think he's saying, screw all y'all. I'm creating something new here. I'm creating something that hasn't been heard, hasn't been seen, and I'm utterly different from anything that's become before or anything that's going to come after, in my opinion. So I kind of love it. Okay, let me totally disagree with everything you just said. Fine. So, I'm, you know, it's, I, I really am interested by your take about um, this being Prince giving himself a pep talk. Yeah. Right? Because um, I'm not sure of the tone. Right. I, I've always been confused about what tone he was taking with this track. Is it ironic? Is he being sincere? Uh, um, the word is that this was actually a more sincere take because when Prince toured on the Dirty Mind tour, he was really embraced by the New York critics. Right. And we talked about the critical yeah. response to that album, yeah. which was really overwhelmingly positive. So, you know, there's that. Sometimes recently when I just you know, re-listened to it, I thought, oh, I wonder if this is more the voice of an agent or a music business industry person saying, "Hey, all the critics love you in New York. You know, yeah. you know, gotta get another hit. Body don't want to quit. I got you know." Right. But it could be more, like you said, a self-reflective kind of just kind of like pump myself up kind of kind of uh, jam. Right. Um, I find it incredibly interesting. I love, like you said, the kind of the weird computer noises in it, yeah. um, all that stuff. Um, and yeah, the lyrics in here are just very uh, interesting to me. There's some like the one I'm, I've been obsessed with for since it, the album came out is uh, it's time for new direction. It's time for jazz to die. Fourth day of November. We need a purple high. No clue what the hell he's talking about. And I've been and I've been trying to figure that out. I didn't know if it was um Someone got killed on that day, right? It, it, you know, a jazz musician or something. A jazz musician. It could have been a black uh, activist sure. or some political figure. Um, uh, you know, I didn't. I didn't know what it could be. Um, and I actually tried to research this a little bit before with our research team. And um, <laughs> someone actually posted. By the way, there are job postings available. If anybody wants to be on the When Does Podcast research team, we are accepting applications. <laughs> You just tweet we at have, us. So we we'll, have great career opportunities. If, if anybody wants that job, I can tell you can have it. It yeah, can be yours. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. So, um, someone, a very smart person on a board, said, "Hey," because someone said, "Oh, is that election day?" Well, yeah. election day is different every year, obviously. Right. And someone's pointed out to say Reagan was uh, 
voted the day the, the voting election day for for Reagan in eighty was November fourth. So it could be a reference to that, I, and I would buy that because be. he certainly made references, obviously as we know, to Reagan in the past. Yeah. You know, um, and yeah. I'm sure he wasn't a fan, so yeah. uh, that's possible. That's yeah. interesting. That's interesting. Too. I would say with Reagan, I'd need a purple high. Well, why wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, Reagan could have used a purple high. Yeah, listen. Maybe it would have helped him in the end. But anyway. All right. Uh, finally, the final track on the double album that is 1999 is called International Lover. Ed, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, that's you are a bit of an international lover. It's true. I mean, you've spent time in Korea. Yes, lived there for for three years. Yeah, for three years. And, you know, that makes you an international lover. It's true. Yeah. I have the passport stamps to prove it. Yeah. Um, and wear that badge with pride. And I think we'll invite some of my girlfriends from that era onto the podcast. I'm to sure talk. they'd be thrilled. <laughs> they would, they would. I'm sure it'd be a great honor. Excited to talk about about the time in Korea. How do you like International Lover? I well, here's my first note. Well, I say, well, after spending a good hour or so with Prince, it makes sense. You might as well just sleep with him at the end, right? (laughs) So, you know, like for me, this song is it's the Do Me Baby template, right? Yeah, we heard his first in my mind, very first, really great ballad, seduction ballad on the previous album, Controversy. He's taking that same template. He's literally raising up to the 30,000 foot level yeah. in my mind. Yeah. Um, and um, I think it's fun. I think it shows his humor. I think it's just very reflective of how funny this dude can be. Cause I, I, I think his rap at the end of all the on, on air, on uh, a passenger instructions on the plane is hilarious. I just think it's very witty, very funny. Um, and uh, I dig it. I dig it. It's it's not my. It's certainly not my favorite ballad ballad of his or slow jam of his. Right. But probably my, maybe in my top five. Jared. Top five, huh? Of his ballads, not yeah, of all. I, I understand. Of top yeah. five, huh? Wow. Yes, Jared. Well, we, how many this, times I say yes, Jared? Well, I mean, plenty. But I, I feel like uh, that's wrong. Everything you just said is wrong. <laughs> so um, this is. This song is pretty much just a standard ballad to me. I I feel like it feels radically out of place with the rest of the record, where the rest of the album is filled with experimentation, with uh, uh, really bold ideas and sonic sort of palettes and pastiches. I feel like this doesn't sound like anything like that. It lacks the experimentation of the rest of the record. Um, You know, sonically and lyrically, it does... To me, it actually sounds like a song that would fit better on For You or Prince, his first two records than this. And I know, I know that I have a broken record, but the spoken word stuff, I'm way, way down on it. I, I feel like it's cheesy. I understand you think it's tongue in cheek and you could absolutely be right. It doesn't sound like that to me. It sounds like he's being a little sincere. And that, and that it's an attempt to be kind of, hey, this is your pilot prince speaking and I'm being kind of sexy. I'm like, I'd get off this plane. I would jump off of that plane. I would, would parachute or no, I'd be, I'd be off that plane as soon as I could. Um, I'm not sure if you were the target audience for his. Well, I'm sure that, I'm sure that I wasn't. I'm sure that I wasn't, but I'm just throwing that out there. And, and also just musically speaking, I got a little bored by it. It, Mm. You know, I just didn't compare, compared to the rest of this album. It's okay. Where every moment you're like, what is going on in this song? Right, right, right. Musically, this one I was like, eh, you know, and and there are there are ballads of his that we're going to get to later on that 
far more uh, engage me than this. It, it, uh, so, yeah. Um, well, I never, I never disliked you more. <laughs> than I, do right now. <laughs> I mean, not that you, nor you dislike me at a, this level normally. <laughs> now it's just a little more so. A little more. Is, is what you're saying to me. A I little got, more. I got no, I hear you. I, I, I honestly, I, your points are well taken. It doesn't, it doesn't have that, um, that really wonderful experimentation that you're hearing in the other songs. And especially coming out that run of the songs we just described, like it just feels a little bit like a left turn, right? It does. But, very um, much so. Yeah, I dig it. I, I, I mean, I dig the song as its own song, but we'll talk about our little rankings of the different material in just a second. In just a second, we will. And I'll just, yeah. just throw out one more time. Please do. So this whole album, whatever I say, though, International Lover was the only thing that got a Grammy nom. That's I have no idea. Why that's, that's crazy, about. right? I, really I think that's crazy that at all. Anyway, so we'll do our little rankings now. Ed, what is your most favorite track on 1999? Well, as you could imagine, because we're talking double album material here, I have a tie. So um, we're talking. Uh, I have "Let's Pretend We're Married" and "Little Red Corvette" as my two favorite songs. Fair enough. Yeah. How about you? My, you mine is straight up "Little Red Corvette," and and I and I feel like that's probably a little expected, but it's an no. absolute all timer. Um, least favorite. All right, now, as you know, as we talked about and discussed, this is going to get hard for me as we got to these yeah, really great albums. Really, right, so I have to, and please bear with me, Jared, I'm before you mock you. this, because I, I'm ready for it already, <laughs> is that I can't say it's my least favorite, but if Warner Brothers were to come in, we just we just delivered the album to them as a, as a group. Right. And they came back and said... Because you're in the revolution. Because I am part of the... I'm more, more in the small skirmish than <laughs> in, in the revolution. small skirmish. <laughs> in the revolution. Prince in the small skirmish. Yeah, I'd be in that band. You'd probably. be in that more, band. More than the other. Playing the triangle or the or the shaky egg. <laughs> the block. It'd be a block, block thing. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah. If they came and said, it's one track too long, like, what, what, what are you going to do? do? I would actually... And I think you'd probably agree with me on this. I would just remove actually both slow songs. Because this one and free you take. I would off. take free off too. Yeah. I would just say it's a party album. Let's just make it a straight up party album. We don't need any slow songs on here. And to me, free and honestly, I know you're saying how you it, like International Lover bored you musically. I think that's way more interesting musically than free is. Free to me is way more straightforward uh, with chords and whatever than what's going on with International Lover. I think that's fair. I do think I do think that free is much more ambitious lyrically. It's a much more lyrically intriguing song. But I hear that point. My, yeah. my least favorite is is. Obviously, international lover. I'm not. I'm not a fan of it. Gotcha. Um, most interesting track. Uh, a lot of ties going on. A lot, here. This so, is a tough one. Yeah. So I, I it, for me, it was a tie between something in the water does not compute and lady cab driver. Yeah. Two. Yeah. How about you? For me, um, so I was going back and forth between lady cab driver and and all the critics love you in New York. I decided to come down on all the critics love you in New York. Um, I if if my take is correct, mm-hmm. this fourth wall kind of talking to himself kind of thing along with the sonic yeah. palette of that yeah. song for yeah. me that makes it the most interesting yeah. um though you'll be thinking about lady cab driver for day, for days and days you said i feel like i might make a murder mystery movie well, out of lady cab we, driver we didn't i really didn't get into this but honestly like in terms of cinema like that was that's such a cinematic very piece. much and very it, much. it would be a black and white indie film totally you know yeah um, spike lee would have made it in 1986 something yeah something yeah something like that um, what is the song for you that most shows the future? Yeah. Um, this one's pretty easy for me. I, I usually struggle with this sometimes with some of these picks, but uh, to me, it's little red Corvette because, um, to me that again, showed the ambition that he's trying to cross over and he really purposely made this sort of rock hit. Yeah. 
um, that was going to cross over and, and hit the Rolling Stones fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're going to see that idea ramped up to 12 on the next album. For sure. Yeah. How about you? Sure. What did you What did you think? I went with 1999. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Wrong. Try again. Try again. Uh, I, I feel like 1999, uh, the reason I chose it as the track that chose the feature is the anthemic nature of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a big song. It's It fills so much space. And um, both lyrically and musically and and sort of the soaring heights of that riff, that really famous riff. Yeah. Um, so I think that that song signals certainly what we're going to hear in the next record, some tracks in the next few records up until maybe the, the his, well, we'll see, maybe his greatest creation of the 80s um, when we get there. But okay. uh, I do think that the the huge, the big scale of it, the scope of it, and the anthemic of nature of 1999, the track, is the track that most shows the future on this one. Okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so... Overall impression, how many principles do you give it out of five? Uh, just shy of five. So yeah. I, I, I'm saying like four and three quarters. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. fine. I, I, I'm in the same boat. I'm doing four and a half. Um, I know you'd be mad at me. If there was no international lover, it might be a five. You know, and I, as much as I do, I like the song generally as it stands on its yeah. own. I think if you took the two slow songs off, I'd probably do a five. Yeah, I, I think I'll tell you this. I think if you took both of them off and free, as you mentioned, both of them, including free, this would be one of the most sonically fascinating yeah. albums, maybe of all time. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a good point that you're making. Um, but I do think, as we said, that this is the album that Prince becomes Prince with a capital P. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And it's it's huge ambition coupled with outstanding execution. And I mean, it's not an accident that it blew up. It's not an accident yeah. that it was a huge hit. So. Yep. I love it. I, I love 1999. I think the whole album is is just kind of stellar. Cool. Um, great. So uh, we're going to come. We're coming to the close of this episode. Um, we're going to talk about uh, the cover in our feature. We call "Dig If You Will" a picture. Dig if you will the picture. I just want to say you come down on me when I sing anything. I was just. And that was, I was trying to whatever. play along with. Anyway, tell me what you think about the cover. I hate it. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> Piece of shit. Garbage. No, it's awesome. Uh, this is one of my favorite album covers. Um, it, you know, it it is so reflective of this the album. Like you, yeah. you, you look at this; it looks outer spacey, yeah. yet it's cartoony, yet it's 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 playful. Yeah. Uh, you know, each of the letters. It's so for folks who have never seen the album cover, please go out and check it out because it's amazing. It's basically just says Prince. But each letter is drawn a little differently, um, yeah. almost like childlike, kind of fun to it. Like, yeah, yeah. graffiti like, and and the, and the one nine 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 also are everyone's uh, a little uh, different as well. Um, I I love it, you know, and and <laughs> um, and and I think there's a little tidbit you want to talk about with there is on the eye of the prince, yeah, on the eye spelling. of the prince. There's, there's like is, a footballish. There's like a football thing. shape in the middle of it. And Ed, what is hidden inside that football shape? So, and this took me a while to figure this out, folks, because the album is officially accredited to Prince only. Correct. Prince it's only, alone. Right. It says Prince. Okay. But if you hold that album up to a mirror tomorrow, if you have that album cover, um, and the revolution is in reverse on that football. Yeah, it's so you written can see backwards it. inside yep. the football. It's a it's a funny little hidden credit. It makes you wonder what that choice was behind that and why he didn't want to just... Or, can I just throw out a, a, a thought that just came to my head? Yeah, that he didn't want the small skirmish to feel badly. He didn't want to... Actually, that's, if you look at the bottom right side... <laughs> and, and, and also, and also in not, addition... Not to exclude... <laughs> 
<laughs> I'd be remiss not to mention. I think it's downtown. He has it worded. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. Uh, um, maybe the revolution is an embryo state. Oh, that's an interesting before idea. Before it's a, be, be completely before it birthed, birthed, birthed for the Purple Rain album. Oh, that could be. That's Possibly. an interesting take. That's an interesting take. But tell yeah, me some of your thoughts, Jared, about well, this. Well, they're similar to yours. I, I also love the cover. I love that it's not a photo. It's the first time we've not... Mm, we've it's had, true. It's not the first one, photo, right? It's the first right? one, yeah. I like that it's art. Um, you know, it's an art. It's a, and it, I feel like it's got such rich color. It's got a modern art aesthetic. Um, it's something really different for him, and I think it's another statement that he's making with this cover. You look at it, it's eye-catching, and you, you, like, much like you said, it's sort of outer space. There's stars and light and majesty in it, and, and sort of, um, uh, so, uh, well, I don't want to be too ridiculous, but like there's some sense of maybe infinity in it. Like, yeah, it, sure just, it goes on. And um, So I'm, I'm a big fan of the album cover. I think it's one of his most iconic yeah, definitely. Uh, for a reason. So yeah, I, I, like, I like that one a lot. Awesome. Uh, so now... Last we, but not least. I last guess. but not least, we come to... This one's all about you, listener. The question. The question. Question of you. Okay. Question for you. Yeah. Ed, what is this week's a question for you? So this week's question for you is, um, you know, Prince, besides his own soundtracks, he's been on a few soundtracks here and there. You maybe I think the princess might know this one very quickly. There was a song from this album. In fact, the song DMSR showed up on the soundtrack for a Tom Cruise movie at that same period of time. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Oh, that's a good one. I'm, I want to guess, but I won't because yeah, want we want you folks to guess. Come in and guess. But you know, Prince and Tom—they probably had a lot in common. Short, short guys. I think it stops there. Does it stop there? I think it's Is that the end of it? I think it stops there. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Prince, though, interestingly, was up for the Top Gun role for, at one point, I believe. <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing? That would be a very different movie. Prince was Maverick? Oh. He was going to be Maverick, yeah. Mav? I just don't want to talk about it. Just... I mean, could, you could see him playing volleyball with those sunglasses 100%. On. 100%. He could, could be playing volleyball. I'm going to try to see if we can get someone who's an editing friend to... Interspersed purple rain cuts. What would Seems. Prince's cover of the Danger Zone sound like? <laughs> Pretty fucking rad, right? Pretty good. Yeah, take my breath away. Take, he could do, oh, he could do the whole soundtrack. He could do the whole. Prince soundtrack. should have done a whole reimagining of that do soundtrack. The whole soundtrack. And talk about take my breath away. I mean that. I mean that's a, it totally owes a debt to Prince's sound. Sure, those big synths, those big yeah, of course. Synths. I mean, you go. We can go on and on about songs. <sighs> that are just... I need to think about Prince re-recording Danger Zone. <laughs> that's going to be with me for a while, folks. If you have any thoughts on Prince doing cover versions of Kenny Loggins' movie themes, yeah, what would you? What would be your fa- if, favorite? Favorite Kenny Loggins was forced <laughs> for some weird reason to do one Kenny Loggins cover, what would you And we pick? have a few options. We have, obviously, we have Danger Zone. We have Hear It For The Boys, which is also... Oh, wait, I thought you were just doing Kenny Loggins' phone. I'm just doing Kenny Loggins. Isn't it called Hear It From The... The one where they're playing volleyball. What's that song called? But that's not a Kenny Loggins song. Yes, it is. Hear, from, hear, hear It For The Boy? No, no, no. I said the wrong thing. Uh, Hold on. Just give me a second. There's a, yeah. When they're playing volleyball, yeah. it's a Prince... It's a Kenny Loggins song, and it, isn't it called something like play, Playing With The Boys? Oh, that's what that, called, I don't even remember that boys. one at all. That one? We've got I, Footloose. I was going to say, let's go to the ones that people know. Footloose. Right. We've got... I'm Alright. I'm Alright from Caddyshack. And yeah. we've also got... This is a little deep cut. Kenny Loggins... But this is off the top of my head. This is concerning. Kenny Loggins did the theme song for Over the Top, the Sylvester Stallone arm wrestling movie. The name of that song? Meet Me Halfway Across the Sky. 
Whoa, Folks, I love that title. Which one of those, we'll be able to throw up a little poll. Which one of those would you like to hear Prince cover most? <laughs> wow, that's something to ponder there. That's something to think about. So think about that. Also, first person, as you know, who gets onto one of our social medias and throws that answer in there, we're going to give you maybe some swag. Maybe if, some swag. If it's available. If it's available. If not, at least you'll get our unending, unending praise, gratitude. Our ending praise and thanks. And, and I want to do a quick shout out. To our good friend, friend of the pod, Nick Holloman. Nick. Nick is the guy who has done our graphic design. Oh, such a great job. Uh, and and uh, we're, we want to just mention him. He's done such a great work. And, Love it. Uh, his work is amazing, and he does a lot of great stuff for a lot of people. So we're very lucky. And we will put his a link to his work up on our... Absolutely, our, our yeah, we will. We will. Stuff. We'll put his, his link up for that. So um, I think that's it for this week's episode. Next week. Ooh. Big time. Yeah. Big time. We're hitting... Wait, what's going on? We're hitting... <laughs> well, we're going to get the Kenny Loggins answer. <laughs> just, we're just going to actually... The whole pod Kenny Loggins. It's going to be about Kenny Loggins. That's going to be the whole pod. But uh, next episode, we tackle a Titan. Clash of the Titans. Oof. Uh, Wrath of the Titans. And it's called Purple... Purple Rain. Purple Rain, oh, y'all. My uh, it's hard to believe we're already there. Yeah. Um, so, thanks so much for listening. To win Dubs Podcast. Yeah, see you next time. Thanks, folks, for listening. We appreciate you. We love you, purple people. Purple people leaders. See ya. Bye. Bye bye. <laughs>